Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, January 17th. We're joined by our long lost partner in arms, Lee. Yeah. I hate being here. <laughs> no wonder he's never here. Lee's been editing a movie for 12 years. Oh man. I have no free time. Let's get on with it, guys. Yeah, yeah. We're already wasting too much no, time. No, it really is. It's my dog. The pandemic, I learned to love walking my dog as much as I could, and I, I'm trying to keep it up. It's really nice. Great Just dog. when you're on the verge of getting rid of your children, yeah. you got a dog. It is. My kids got to the point, and I hate. I think men go through this. Women would too. Moms. I don't mean women. I mean moms and dads. I hated the fact my kids stopped looking at me like I was the center of the world. Yeah. They're hanging on everything I said. When's the new Star Wars movie coming out? All that stuff. Now that they don't care about my company, I got a dog. That's the best time <laughs> to get a dog. So wait till your kids stop loving you, and then you get a dog. And here we are. <laughs> it was a month ago or so, and I happened to notice it caught my eye. What are these new Indiana Jones posters in the poster room? <laughs> and I said to Leo, because I try to keep track and log them all, are these yours? Do you put these here? And very sadly, Lee said, yeah, Max took them down out of his room. Oh. And I've never been so upset with four theatrical, Max. Yeah, four like, theatrical. You're out of the family. What? All of his life, he had that in his room. Four theatrical Indiana Jones posters, including Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. All these great posters. He Man. left one up. One continues to remain on the wall framed is his theatrical poster for 2001 A Space Odyssey, signed by the two lead actors in the movie. Oh, That's pretty so cool. Right? He hasn't grown out of that yet. But he's slowly getting back, and he's starting to do Lego again. So oh, that's so, good. So for his birthday, which was last week, he asked for Lego, which made me happy. So Man. maybe I can, I can get rid of my dog soon. Jeez. Go back to my son. Yeah. So much drama. And for you, that's a personal affront, taking down sweet original posters and well, stuff. It is, because they're the same posters I had up. Well, two of them were the same ones I had up on my wall when I was a kid. My favorite thing, I was just telling the story last night. I remember once Max, my son, locked really young, and he loved Indiana Jones to bits. And his favorite film was Temple of Doom. My wife found him in locked in the bathroom and she wanted in and Max eventually opened the door and in, in his pajamas shirtless and his, he had lipstick all over so he painted his whole face red with his mom's lipstick and she has this on video like she took out her phone and video. it's like Max what are you doing painting my face who do you think you are and he said Mularam Sularam. <laughs> oh, man. That's how much he loved Indiana Jones. And then when he runs for prime minister, oh, God. that's yes. what's going to get him canceled. <laughs> and that scene's probably in the movie, too. But it's not, it's not the fact that the actor who played Mularam Sularam is from India. It's the, the, the thuggy cult. Right. He, that's yes. what he had yes. painted. He painted the thuggy cult markings on his face, which come from the Norm McLaren film, A Neighbors, that nice. was shot in Ottawa. Oh. So the thuggy cult... And the way the emperor's yeah. face looks after Mace Windu melts it after with his lightsaber, that all is inspired because Lucas loved NFB. And if you look at what happens to those two men in Norm McLaren's neighbors that were shot in the park we shot our new film in the same park and i wanted to because of a tribute but this film was shot at rock what's the park near the aviation parkway comes on to oh. with the gazebo Is yeah that oh park? yeah yeah yeah. that sounds right yeah that's where they shot neighbors and it won an oscar the men go to war over this flower that grows between the property i don't know if you've seen this movie but it's on youtube the flower grows between their two houses and they fight over the flower and they fight they go to war and their face markings the makeup looks like the thuggy cult from temple of doom look Looks like the Emperor from Revenge of the Sith. It's really neat little uh, reference. Oh my god! Fine, I won't cancel Max. <laughs> Seriously, and that was shot in Ottawa too. That's yeah. crazy. And so we did a scene for our new movie, Into the Drag Dragon, in the same park. And that film, if you watch it, it's, so he's an animator. So we shot these two actors 
jumping around, jumping up and down, and he animated out the moments where their feet are touching the ground, so they float oh, through the park, God. like knees up. It's yeah. really cool. So I wanted to do oh, a stop- that one. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Neighbors, and so I wanted to do an animation style. So there's a fight scene in our movie that turns into Norm McLaren's neighbors, Man. where someone gets kicked and their they, their body animates across the grass <laughs> in the same park where Norm McLaren made that movie. Am I, I think yeah, Norm McLaren, yeah. That's insane. The director's commentary is going to be amazing for this movie. Like, you're going to be, <laughs> we're already getting listens. a preview right now. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It's such a quick shot, but it, I'm like, there's Neighbors. <laughs> and there's two Neighbors references in the movie because in Neighbors, and I hope people go home and watch Neighbors and then come see Into the Drag Dragon, there's two newspapers. So when the movie starts, one of the Neighbors is reading a newspaper that says, first edition says, peace Peace is certain without war. And then the other, the first edition, the final edition says, war is certain without peace. It's like these two Ottawa newspapers. <laughs> so our newspapers and our movie are right from that movie. They're Man. the first edition and the final edition, and they're always battling each other. Jeez. It's a references no one's going to get, but it makes me really happy. <laughs> but now I will. I'll be like, oh, Neighbors. Yeah. <laughs> so Shot what? in Ottawa. <laughs> <laughs> what an Oscar. Yeah, Oscar. That's all I know. He was the, and Orm Claire was with that guy who would, do you know how an optical track works on a 35 millimeter print? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's a, light wave right like there's a picture I think 24 frames a second and each frame is a picture but eight frames ahead of that there's an optical track and it's a wavelength and it tells the exciter bulb what the speaker to say so light is the audio if they invented yeah. this today it would blow people's minds <laughs> it's so old it was before they did magnetic strips mm-hmm. on film so a light wave tells the speaker what to say all the music all the dialogue comes from that light wave so Norm McLaren used to animate his films and he would scratch in his own optical soundtrack Damn. into that part. And it sounds like, but he did that and he animated to that and it would have to, he'd have to do it eight frames ahead, I think, but it, he's a genius. God. Yeah, it's like math almost at <laughs> yeah. that point. Like, <laughs> like almost, yeah. yeah. A little bit. Yeah, it's crazy. So when you cast Eric in yeah. Enter the Drag Dragon, Bad idea. How, <laughs> how rigorous was the, how many... Thousands of Eric's did you look at before? Eric uh, it was got the part? Thousands. Yeah, yeah. I was one of the lesser Eric's, <laughs> so but he ran into people. <laughs> Is his part bigger or smaller than Lloyd Kaufman's part? Well, it's tough. Well, it would say it's Eric kind of bookends that scene. Yeah, true. And you're, you're stand up. And actually, I was watching the other day. You project your voice better than Lloyd Kaufman did to the microphone. <laughs> well, Lloyd Kaufman should know to speak up so the microphone can hear him. <laughs> He's been and, in so many movies. And I so this movie does something most movies don't do anymore. Most movies they do live audio recording on set and then they but they dub it all in mm-hmm. later. This movie has the original audio dialogue because I like that better. I keep yeah. the performance. So. But yours is so easy to mix because you have a very good projection to your voice yeah. and John and, and Elliot too. But then Lloyd came in and I was like, why is this the hard part? This guy starred opposite Kurt Douglas in Final Countdown and Martin Sheen and, and Sylvester Stallone and John Travolta. Why? Anyway. Yeah, he's not coming back for ADR work, I'm assuming. <laughs> it's like he did that and no, uh, I'm, I'm we won't be seeing him for a while. Great thing about having Eric on set, uh, like a lot of people in the movie who, who are in the, it's like you love being on set. Oh, yeah. Whether you're in front of the camera. And that was infectious. And that's what the, my greatest takeaway from the movie you know some people filmmakers often don't like the production process I like the production process and it was a long production process and I like being on set and having fun with the right people people who want to be on set to make a good movie yeah. not people who on set who want to when are we leaving where's the food <laughs> yeah. how much yeah. am I getting paid you want to be on set with people who want to make the best movie they could yeah. and this is the best movie we could <laughs> we couldn't have tried any harder but this is the best movie we it's could true. all have made together and it's fun I mean at the end of the day I, you know you want to make a fun experience which I, i'm sure it is yeah i mean that was step one <laughs> step, 
I especially like being on set when I'm not in charge because then you could just be like, you are very stressed about whatever, but I'm just like, I'm holding a boom pole and helping out, you know, like I really like just, because it is like when that circus is together and everyone's making the film, it really does have that feeling. Circus. It is a circus. It Mm -hmm. is a circus. It's like Charlton Heston in, did you watch the, what was it? The greatest show on earth? I did. The way Charlton Heston runs the circus and that, that's, that's what it's like. But you're right. The director takes on all the stress, but for this film, it was different. My last two films were incredibly stressful to be on set and I hated being on set. This was a nice relief. The stress was offset on this movie because Mm -hmm. my mother was dying and COVID was coming. All my free time went to my mother and I'm not saying all this to put everyone down. My mother's passing was a very positive experience for me, but it was a big part of the movie and I have to talk about it. So the stress for this movie actually wasn't on set. Coming to set was the relief. Right. It was like going to a bar. You go to a bar to unwind and drink mm-hmm. and making this movie was like being in a bar. Not a strip club, but just a bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that it made me want to drink. That's what it was like. You know, no, no. Well, I go to bars. I don't drink a lot. I have two beers and I go home. Do you I like the experience, I guess? Just seeing people and, and talking yeah. about movies. Last night I was at Chez Le Sien and Cooley High was on TV. They had oh, three. weird. When I walk in, they put movies on. That makes sense. So Rain Man was on one TV. The Big Lebowski was on another TV, and right in the middle was Cooley High. Man. Now, Cooley High has a new 4K mm. transfer supervised by Criterion. Wow. And there was two movies on either side of it are kind of more modern, right? Rain Man's the late 80s, and The Big Lebowski's the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And Cooley High by far looked best on the wow. screen. It was done with a lot of love. It's not the best movie. It's not a better film than either of them, but it looks so gorgeous that they went back to this film elements and did this loving transfer. That needs to happen to a lot of newer films like Definitely. Big Lebowski. But I, I had to take a picture of the three TVs. We said, look, why is the, <laughs> the exploitation film has the best image right now? Why does that look more pure than anything else on screen right now? I've noticed that a few times lately with them and a few other movies as such that we've screened. And the joke between Gwen and I a couple times we've said is, this movie has no right to look this good. Like, so many people worked really hard to make Santa Claus Conquers the Martians look beautiful (laughs) in a 4K restoration. There's porno on Blu-ray that looks better than most Hollywood releases. (laughs) So strange. (laughs) I have 4K pornos, and they look incredible. You just watch them as movies too. Like you're just like I'm not. I'm taking no pleasure from this. That's just a well shot film. I get bored during the sex scene. (laughs) Get to the dialogue and the action because I like to see how clumsy the. You know, it's like porno filmmakers who pretend to be real filmmakers. Trying to be funny, but it's true. I fast. I used to fast forward the porno scenes. It sounds like I'm a 50 year old married man, but it's true. They're my least least favorite part of the movie sometimes. Background stuff's great though. We're like, oh, what poster is that? I went to see Empire Light. Yeah. And we're going to be showing it here soon. My favorite thing about that movie, because it's set in a cinema, 1980, mm. it was fun to look at all the posters oh, in the wall. Oh, world. man. Oh, there's Blues Brothers, and there's <sighs> Days of Heaven, and there's 9 to 5, and Raging Bull appears at one point, Peck and Paws, the Killer Elite. It would have been fun to set dress at that uh, cinema. That's one thing I noticed. I loved Stranger Things. I continue to love Stranger Things, not just for the nostalgia, but I'm all in of that kind of gremlins, ghostbusters, kids fighting monsters kind of stuff. And the one thing I noticed Notice they do a very good job with all the wardrobe and the music mm-hmm. and everything. But one of the kids on their wall has an Evil Dead poster, but it's like mint condition, oh, okay, as if yeah. they bought it from the yeah. HMV. You yeah, know, they probably did. <laughs> and Gwen noticed it. Gwen pointed and went, "There's no way a ten-year-old <laughs> yeah. in 1980, whatever, if if they stumbled on it, they would have gotten it from a cinema. It would be folded. It would be damaged. It would have." a showtime written on it, you know? So that was my one thing in Stranger Things where I went, 
Oh, that was bad set design yeah. right there. Yeah, they didn't just sell those, right? Evil like, Dead no. posters were everywhere in video stores. I yes. Every video store had an Evil Dead poster and a Rambo poster up. Yeah. For years. So they, it was up and stayed up. It's in the front window. You'd walk in and you'd open the Evil Dead uh, door. I remember <laughs> a Raiders poster from the Ma and Pa video store of my youth. But the thing that has changed so much is that I remember there was a... I believe printed on it tag that said eighty nine ninety five, damn, or ninety nine ninety five, oh, right? To purchase it, mm-hmm. and not soon after that, everything was like I think with Batman and stuff, where they're like nineteen ninety nine and Disney clamshells and stuff. But I remember that looking at it as a kid, and when you're a kid, ninety bucks is ten thousand dollars, <laughs> and I remember just yeah. being like, wow, ninety dollars. Is it on the? T- no, I have a Rambo poster. I think it might be downstairs. Rambo first blood poster. It has the price tag on. Yeah. It. 89.95 on VHS, Betamax, and video disc. So crazy. Not Laserdisc, video disc. Video disc. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. Cr- I worked at a video store, well, a couple, but like, yeah, I remember that, that when he would order stuff in. There were certain ones, and even then, that would have been 90s, I guess. And there were certain ones that were more affordable. Then there was ones that, that they were always 90 bucks, at least. Yeah. It, was, it wasn't until ET came out that they decided, oh, maybe people can. They didn't want you to buy, they didn't want you to spend 90 bucks yeah. to buy own a movie. They want you to rent the movie. Mm-hmm. $90 was mostly for the video store to buy it. Yeah. But you could buy. I spent, I remember when Empire of the Sun came out on VHS, I spent $113 to own wow. it. Wow. Man. Because I wanted, and the guy who sold me, do you, do you remember the poster? It's a big red sun. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Going through mm-hmm. it. So I wanted to buy it. I loved the movie. It meant so much to me. And the guy in the video store in Vanier said, Are you sure you want to keep yeah. spend this much money on this movie? Pre ordered it. I gave him $113. And he took a receipt and he put it on top of the VHS and he signed it. Paid. And I still have nah. my Empire of the Sun VHS cover. And in the sun, you can read paid. Ah. Because he wrote it right on top of the... Oh, like he God. fucked up my... Friend. I have a <laughs> VHS. I spent $130 on a VHS tape. I have it on DVD. I have it on two copies on Blu-ray. There's a new Blu-ray that just came out. And we have a 35 millimeter print. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that movie is everything to me. So but, you just need it on video disc. I don't... Yeah, I don't... I have a laser, <laughs> I have a laser disc. You know, the video disc would be done by Empire of the Sun. Do you have a working laser disc player yes, at home? Yes, and See, it flips uh, sides. Wow. You don't have to get up. It oh flip it has a, the head lifts and goes underneath and you just oh, have to wait man. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah. I never even would have thought how, of it. How yeah. long is the lag? Is it like a seventy five minute <laughs> lag? Me chick. Me chick. Yeah, you can go take a crap. Yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> no, it's like ten, fifteen, I don't know, 10, yeah. 20 seconds. Cool. But then there's C A V because there's laser disc head, there's two different laser discs. Right. C L V and C A V. And C L V discs a whole movie would fit on one disc, two sides. But C A V movie like the abyss would be maybe five discs wow. oh my god up every 20 minutes almost like changing a reel yeah each side is a reel wow. of film the quality is better and you can accept via laserdisc was the first home video software home video format yeah. where you can watch a film at 24 frames a second not 29.97 with fake frames you can look at you could step frame a movie and look at the true frame each frame and it was fun to watch movies like the abyss or back to the future 2 or star wars and you can step through and look at the special effects yeah i remember in, in the asteroid field scene in the empire strikes back there's a tie fighter that hits an asteroid mm-hmm. we went through the whole scene and the pilot goes out the front windshield and somersaults cool. to camera and I never noticed that until I had a laser yeah. disc and step through it it's so neat yeah I just so, listened to a podcast and they were talking about those other discs like you just said that were like five and they said but they were like dumb kids and so they would lose disc three of Jaws <laughs> really or they would just jump in and watch part five right. of E.T. or whatever and Jaws they, is a good film to start at the end because yeah, that, that ending is true. an adventure film but then you'd be like Alex Kintner didn't die he just disappeared what's going on with and this then movie Pippet Pippet's still alive <laughs> yeah, still, you would have liked that version <laughs> so Enter the Drag Dragon did the 
script come to you first or did you instigate the story? In 2013. That's a million years ago. Yeah, 2013 (laughs) was the first draft. It was that Max and I came up with an idea. So Max and I drove to the Monroeville Mall. We came up Mm. with an idea. We wanted to do a martial arts film like Jackie Chan's Twinkle Twinkle, the Lucky Stars series, Mm -hmm. but with all kids because we liked Bad News Bears. And Bad News Bears is a kid's movie, but it's not a family movie. Oh, my God. Mm. I remember, as an aside, we played Bad News Bears as a matinee a couple years ago. (laughs) Marcus came down, and he goes, have you watched the trailer? (laughs) And I go, no. And he goes, we can't show the trailer as a matinee. The N-word is in it. And I was like, Lord. What? So anyhow, there you go. Tanner says the N-word. Yeah. Tanner is the middle name of my son. It's in the trailer. I, I, I've never watched the original. I, somehow I saw the remake with Bill Oh, Bob yeah. Thornton. It's not bad. Not bad. Yeah, it's not okay. Bad. I don't think they use the N-word no. in it. So. No, no, no. no. Yeah. Not only just the N-word, but it's the F-word. Oh, Tanner, yeah. Tanner's the kid. Yeah. Tanner's the loudmouth schnook who says all these things. And my <laughs> son's middle name is Tanner, named after the character. Wow. Of Bad you know, it's my favorite sports movie. Let's Let's make the Bad News Bears, but make it not a sports movie, but make it like a Jackie Chan adventure film. And that was the original concept. And in 2013, we had a investor in Ottawa who thought, Lee, you don't need one, you don't need one script. You need three. We need three scripts to pitch to investors to bring in money. None of these films happened, but one of those happened to be this film that Max and I were working on. At the time, it was called Sneaky Tiger, Fatty Dragon. And so Mark Polisell wrote that script in 2013. After it all fell apart, I said to my writing partner, we weren't making movies. We were writing scripts but not making movies and I said to my partner you know what our problem is Mark I said we should stop showing our scripts to producers producers you know we should just make a movie if we're going to show it then they're going to want to tell us how to write it to make money let's just take one of these three scripts and re- change it so we can make it on our own so the Enter the Drag Dragon was made with no producers involved no investment at all no grant money it's just made out of pure love but I couldn't get anyone interested in making this kids movie I would go to bars and I'd run into day <laughs> Bingle, who did most of the music on this film with John Carroll, and I would talk to people about this kids' movie I wanted to make that wasn't a family film, and people would look at I didn't have a good title. See, the good thing about Jesus Christ Vampire, I had a great title yeah, yeah. and a great pitch. It's a kung fu action comedy horror film about the second coming and called Jesus Christ Vampire. Boom. And that was exciting to tell people about your movie, get them excited to be a part of it. I didn't have that with our kids' movie. So I came here to see a film, and Sam Kettleman who does Rocky Horror Picture Show was here and we talked and laughed all night long and he was he's genuinely a really funny guy he knows a lot about cinema he does the Rocky Horror Picture Show here and I went to the bar right after and I sat there and I watched people talk about sports they were talking at but I wasn't hearing a thing (laughs) words were going through me and it came to me Sam could be the star of my movie and and it's not a kids movie anymore it's a drag queen instead (laughs) of kids or child orphans living in a cinema it's drag queens we can call it Enter the Drag Dragon so all of of a sudden, I had my a kung fu action horror film about the second coming called Jesus Christ Vampire. Now, I have a drag fu action comedy horror called Enter the Drag Dragon. I felt like I had a good title and a good little pitch, and everyone could be excited to be a part of the film, and that's what happened. All of a sudden, I, it was easy to be, meet people I never met before and say, I'm making a drag queen movie. Do you want to be a part of it? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's so exciting. So that was the spark that ignited the fire that led to the first rebellion. No. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and, and then, so that was, so then by March 1st, 2008, 
2019. Mm-hmm. No, 2018. 20. 18. I don't know. March 1st. <laughs> You're just saying dates. <laughs> no, March 1st, 2019, we started filming. Sorry, July 2018, we had a script, Enter the Drag Dragon. And I had a script reading here in the middle of July 2018, a script reading. We had the whole cast and crew here ready to start moving, starting filming this movie in the summer of 2018. And picked up Quintana. We got to the cinema. My phone rang. Got a call from Newfoundland to tell me my mother has got leukemia and she only has a few months to live. And I'm doing the script reading with everyone. And I had to, at one point, take a break. I had to call my dad. I didn't tell anyone what was happening. I called my dad to tell him mom's dying and got back to the script reading, drove everyone home, got home and said, I don't think I can start this movie. Yeah. Which is, so it took me a week to make that decision. So I put everything on hold, spent all my free time on mom. But you know what? A few months turned into a year. So it took a year before she finally passed. And the, by the next summer, by March, Greg Sestero was in town. It's like, Mom, do you mind if I start shooting my movie? I kind of, you know, because I'm at the hospital. I was working. I was booking at the Mayfair out of the hospital. Everything back and forth here from the hospital. Hospital was my bedroom. I was there from noon till midnight every day for a year. And that was fun. I really, I did like it. We watched lots of movies. And, and it's like, uh, do you mind if we start making this? And she said, yeah, my dad, my wife, and everyone thought, yes, let's get started on the film again. So we would we shot very slowly. And sometimes I'd get right into production. And then my mom would get really sick. And it was like this balance, being at the hospital and being on set. But being on set was like uh, we talked about earlier. Was It was like being at a bar. It was mm-hmm. a nice way to get away. And it was therapy. And then she got really sick. And we had to stop again. And then my mother passed and I said, oh, in a month, let's start filming again. And as soon as we got right back into it, COVID came. <laughs> and I remember being on set one day and we were filming in a location and there was a, this, my friend's house and his daughter was, we built a set in her room, like walls. And, and wow. she was writing on all the set. COVID is coming. COVID is coming. Oh my oh God. God. And, and I found a lot of that scene is shot where I'm framing the words COVID is coming out. I did one shot where I left it in just for fun because it, you know, but it's yeah. not really coming. Yeah. But I, so I framed it out for most of it and it came and we got <laughs> shut down again. So it took over four years to get it done. And we shot right to the end of the pandemic. The last day we shot, we hit the Mayfair. Mm-hmm. Uh, half of our extras didn't show up because of COVID. Yeah, we did this. We had this like battle plan with our friends at events.com where we gave out free tickets, but we wanted yeah. to get an idea of who was coming. We should have packed the place. Yeah, we sold out. Sold out. Everybody was still doing their due diligence. And, and because everyone was doing their due diligence, I think a lot of people were sick or concerned about sick. I don't know, a hundred and something people again. showed up. And yeah. like. But every negative turned into a positive. Every yeah. time I had to shoot scenes with two actors who could have been in the same room together. Right. So a lot of the movie is close-ups, back and forth. And it was really fun figuring that out. That it became The film became a jigsaw puzzle. You know, it's fun to test your... If you go fly fishing, you want to learn how to tie your own flies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and your <laughs> and star was played by three people too that's like, right so, I mean, that's, that's another you had thing a lot that going on to get the film done i had to take the central character crunch and have three different drag queens play the central character and i thought it'd be fun because it was getting down like it was getting so hard to make the movie mm-hmm. i thought wouldn't it be fun think of it as a three-act play and each act of the movie is a different drag queen and i've shown very few people the movie but everyone's favorite part is that each act starts with a new actor playing the drag queen and how that happens is really fun to watch play out and you know figuring out I, I would start scenes with actors and I couldn't finish it with actors and then I'd have to figure out how to figure out close-ups and then it was fun. Every negative was turned into a positive. I would go on walks with my dog by myself and think, you know, different ways to shoot scenes. It really is a product of the time we're living in, that everyone was living in. The time I was living in in my head in terms of dealing with my mom's passing and dealing with COVID because I was really, after my mom's passing, was looking forward to finishing the movie as a sort of good uh, way of, uh, you know, 
getting out of the hospital. And I felt like I was just happy my mother wasn't alive for the pandemic. I oh, yeah. wouldn't be able to visit her, that kind of thing. So I felt like this is my apocalypse now in a way. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's why Eric and I have joked about it before. Like we would be terrible movie critics because every show would be two thumbs up because yeah. we yeah. had fun. <laughs> I know how hard it is to make movies and whether you're a Star Wars movie or Enter the Drag Dragon, you hear filmmakers say, yeah, we have more money now, but it's still all these problems. And whether it's yeah. weather or actors or budget or time, it's every movie that gets made is a miracle. And it's the same as like every band that stays yeah. together for more than six months is a miracle. Every book that gets written is a miracle. So simply that movies that were shot on 35 millimeters. Sometimes I watch old movies. It's like, you know how big the cameras were back then? <laughs> oh you my know God. how hard it was to make a yeah. movie? But this movie also made me realize one thing, because my last three films making this movie were properly budgeted films. Right. Like a million dollar budget over a million dollars budget in each film and that's when I made Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter and Harry Knuckles that was my dream to make movies with other people's money the dream was to go bigger and better mm -hmm. but on this film I realized I was living the dream then when I made Jesus Christ Vampire I didn't realize the dream wasn't in front of me the dream was I was standing on it and so making Enter the Drag Dragon felt like being on the set of Jesus Christ Vampire people were on set to make a good movie people weren't on set to get paid mm -hmm. you know yeah, and yeah. that was a nice nice change of pace my <laughs> residual check is just a handshake basically <laughs> well yeah but no one got paid making this film no and it was just out of pure love of it. and you know what it was easy with jesus christ vampire because there was no industry in ottawa now they make movies every other day and yeah there's so many there's, there's a big industry in ottawa now and i thought are people still going to be interested in making rinky dink little movie now that they can probably go get paid on a real film i found especially during the pandemic yeah there was people excited it's, it's nice to have someone to be in the movie and not pay them but give them a close-up or give them something Thing that you know they think you know what in a couple of months when this movie comes out it'll be worth it because i'll get to see it on the big screen and mm. that's what next week's all about yeah my nieces are in it uh, my friends in it like my nieces aren't allowed to come and see the movie but <laughs> like they're, they're too young there's a like, lot of there's like kids in my neighborhood they play zombies and i cut their heads off <laughs> the drag queen cuts a head off 30 children in the movie with a machete <laughs> and i showed the father the scene with their kids again and he's like okay they can't go see that <laughs> it's so cartoony but there's also a lot of dicks in the movie yeah <laughs> but again it's not sexual no so it's not it's all sort of like the violence is cartoony and fun there's a lot of phallus in the movie but none of it's sexual it's just stupid that's a good pull quote for the poster right there yeah so for people listening to the podcast as it comes out enter the drag dragon is at the mayfair on january 27 28 and february 1 and 2 and then it goes to funnily enough i love this it goes to our friends across town at the by town the week after yeah and do you have it officially booked at other places yet it looks like we're going to toronto calgary oh, there's another place the guys own the by town they own three cinemas guelph oh, yeah. i don't know it was Kingston? Yeah. no it was no. a kitchener Kitchener, yeah, Kitchener. Yeah, it was some random so, play yeah. where I was like, and India, we got we got into a yeah. festival in India. How did that was so awesome? <laughs> I got invited by the director of the festival, asked me to submit the film, and he'd waive the entry fee. And I think it's a statement because in India, I don't think drag queens are all well regarded, right? You know that community. It's like being in Florida. So I, it's a statement of the festival to show this movie, and you know, I don't know if people will like it, but yeah. I, it's exciting to be be in India showing this movie. So you know, that's their first festival, and you know, I'll 
try to get it out there. I, I wanna I don't wanna rush anything. I wanna try to spend a year maybe going yeah. to cinemas mm-hmm. and then maybe eventually put it on a Blu-ray. Yeah, so, so for our like out of town listeners, just Google enter the drag dragon. Lee's doing a good job. It's all over social media and everything. So as it rolls out to the world, you might have a chance to see it in your hometown. Yes, hopefully. My brother hopefully. in Calgary is committed to going to see it, so that's one ticket at least. Maybe <laughs> well, two if I, he brings his wife. Well, my daughter's out there. Oh, nice. Yeah, hoping I think the I think in April, I think. I don't know. I'm hoping it happens. So, you know, it's a different world. It really is. When we did Jesus Christ Vampire Day, we were on the cover of Citizen and The mm-hmm. Sun and Ed Capital Extra and The Express and CBC and CTV. And now now there's all the media, Citizen and The Sun are taking all their news stories out of Toronto. Yeah, And yeah. it's just like, what happened? Well, it's like <laughs> film critics, right? Not too long ago, there, 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 there was a film critic in every town, every small town. Now it's this weird franchise where you've got one film critic, especially for the mainstream movies, yeah. and whatever newspapers are left, but that review appears in every newspaper. We are lucky to have Tom McSorley. Tom McSorley, like, I don't think every city has this, but mm-hmm. Tom McSorley lives in Ottawa, and his morning show was very well listened to, and he probably has the most important voice in film criticism in Ottawa, but a lot of cities don't have a Tom McSorley. No, Tom no. McSorley is someone who knows more about movies than most people. Even when I disagree with him, I respect mm-hmm. but There's none of that anymore, like the Leonard Maltons and the mm-hmm. Roger Ebert and the Rex Reeds. I don't have to agree with everything they say, but I respect their opinion because they've got a authority in it. People now are just have YouTube and blogs and it's like, although a lot of them are regulars at the Mayfair, mm-hmm. like Michael O'Keefe and that other kid. And it's not, I love seeing <laughs> I know them so well. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know the kids. I forget the kids. He's really nice though. They come here, but it's a harder, I feel like it's a harder sell this time all these years later because local media doesn't really exist. I wish they gave, Michael O'Keefe used to have a thing on uh, CKCU. I wish they gave some of these guys bigger platforms, mm-hmm. but they don't want, they want, I don't know what they want. They want to <laughs> have a Toronto voice representing yeah. Ottawa, which means nothing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which means nothing. You want an Ottawa voice to talk because no one's going to review the movie better than Michael Keep in out of Toronto. Because he's going to say, oh, there's the Bytown and the Mayfair are different cinemas. He's going to see locations. And the Friday night's going to be fun because yes. a lot of the cast and crew will be there. And the movie, here's the thing about the movie. It's set in Ottawa. There's a lot of movies being shot in Ottawa. Yeah. But nothing's set here. All those winter movies, all those Christmas movies you're making, set in Detroit or Pittsburgh or wherever. This one's set in Ottawa. And my last two films, I wasn't allowed to show Ottawa. Pure David would tell me, don't shoot that Canada post box. I put it's one so in, weird. In the movie, purposely, as a middle finger to Pure David. And this movie's a big fuck you, too. <laughs> The last two movies I got to make where I had to hide Ottawa. I always think like somebody sitting in St. Paul, Minnesota watching a movie as such standing up in their chair at the cinema at home going Canada Post Box give me my money back it's crazy that they think that they sat me down and said I can't sell the movie overseas if it's set in Canada and if you have anyone in your movie who has an accent that sounds Canadian or Quebecois you have to fire them so (laughs) crazy because I can't sell the movie with that that's so weird. But I mean, someone with that voice could have moved to somewhere in the States. Like, that's so weird. Like, why I, would you? I think that's, again, that's people behind the camera who don't go to cinemas and sit in front of the projector. Yeah. yeah. They don't know. They don't go see movies. And the people don't care. Look at Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. It's yeah. Toronto. They go to start a second cup all the time. That's awesome. And no one give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it's set in Canada. Most it's people not even don't a notice. Deal. Yeah. yeah. But these old producers and investors think it's a, they got it in their head. It's like having something in your head that you can't let go of. It change. Yeah. But that's what I have people, old people, you know, those old people, you like, I can't believe yeah. Josh has <laughs> tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> that, that 80s mentality, you know, yeah. like all those direct to video they're like well it's just like a cbc movie we can't yeah. do this 
So let's spend the last 10 minutes. We're showing Get Carter? Yeah. Don't you book these? (laughs) So let's spend the last 10 minutes talking about what we have coming up. And we'll talk more about Drag Dragon next week because it's still another podcast to go in between. So coming up this week, the week of January 20th, 2023, we have three new films. One is You People, which didn't really hit my radar, but I saw the trailer last night in front of Tar, and I and the audience were all laughing out loud at this trailer, which was a simple trailer of just Jonah Hill being the uncomfortable oh, this son-in-law. One. You people. Yeah, yeah, I watched this trailer too, yeah. To Eddie Murphy, and it was really funny, and it's Julie Louis-Dreyfus is also in it, and David Duchovny's in it, so it's got a what? good cast, and it's just a basic Do comedic- people are going to come see it? You're not supposed to say that. <laughs> this is why you're never on here. Do you know what this podcast is? It's got to be funny. <laughs> I just, but it's like this film that's just like came out of nowhere. Yeah. And yeah. it should have been a film that opened up in every theater. Well, and it's interesting. I think this is the quickest we've had a 2023 film. Yeah, and that true. happens more and it's more. I, I talk about our good old days coming here when we were in high school or whatever, where say, I think I'm getting this right. We're like, Michael Keaton Batman didn't hit the Mayfair screen, I think, till February, March 1990. So it took that long for a popular film. Whereas now, a movie starring Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy, Julie Louis-Dreyfus from the creator of a very popular sitcom called Blackish, which won a bunch of awards, we get it first. And although it's a Netflix film, we're seeing more and more that we have an audience that wants to see something on the big screen. Mm-hmm. So the Netflix thing isn't necessarily... A crutch. The crutch, yeah. So it looks really funny. Looking forward to that. You know it's a crutch? Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our other new films this week are Bones and All. Oh. Oh, which yeah. has a lot of buzz. Oh, man. Excited about this one. We don't get enough cannibal romance movies yeah. these days. <laughs> From the director of Suspiria. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you started with that. You could have said Call Me By Your Name or like any of a number of his no, other no, no, acclaimed no. films. But no, Suspiria remake. And it's, I don't know, on, on a sliding scale of horror film, I've heard it's like a horror film, but a romantic horror film. Yeah, like I think it's a horror film maybe that, I don't know if Gwen could watch it, but you know. That's, that's always I've, the plateau. I've seen it. I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Is it super gruesome or... Uh, I don't know. I don't have a weird palate. I was about to say, you're the worst person to ask for that. It's not like your typical horror film. That's the best thing about it. Okay. It's not Smile, and it's not The Ring. It's just, you know, it's like... It's like if the director of Call Me By Your Name did a horror film. Yeah, like Suspiria. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like it's just, it's just, it's like all these filmmakers who aren't inspired by horror movies are making horror movies. Mm -hmm. And it'll get that... It doesn't feel like that's the thing. Like it's like every horror movie feels like five horror films already made. This one feels like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This one feels like Friday thirteenth. You know, this one just feels like bones and all. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. Original. That made me think of when we saw Suspiria the same week as we saw Suspiria with uh, Goblin. That was uh, that was when we had the remake here. That was a big God, that was like four years ago. Anyway. (laughs) It's too much. (laughs) Then we have Broker, a new Korean film. I saw that too. I'm fascinated by Korea, filmmaking aside, but like filmmaking inside. So many good movies come out of Korea of all different genres. And you just think that South Korea is South Korea. North Korea is run by a cartoonish madman. <laughs> it's just so strange. And these, That's what's these... important about cinema. And I thought this as a kid getting into foreign film, that if you just watch TV, 
Mm-hmm. You just watch the news. All of Korea, north and south, just looks like a bombed out yeah. city. And yeah. I can't imagine what life would be like that. Thank God we live in Canada. Then you watch movies like Broker and you realize they're just like us. I feel like I'm driving around Orleans or Bank Street. It just, we're all the same. And that's what you don't get out of the news. You get that from cinemas like the Mayfair showing foreign cinema like Broker. Yeah, and you get, the, you get the mm-hmm. humanity of it. You see yeah. these people in there. Both the people in front and behind the camera where you're like, they're making a movie despite in North Korea it being a madhouse. Yeah. And they're going about their lives, going about their careers, and making these renowned movies. Everything I see at a career, whether it's a bonkers horror film or a drama, I really like. Well, they're only showing you the good stuff. That's <laughs> true, yes. <laughs> That's the thing. I was also thinking, wow, everything, uh, every Australian movie is good. It's like, they're the only ones that are letting it leave the island. There's a lot of crap we're just not seeing. Like, what did they not release that comes out in, in a Hollywood movie? Right I don't know, like movie this, 43 or whatever, that one with all the terrible... Howard the Duck go overseas. Oh, man. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's like... That's a cult film now. I mean, everybody yeah. loves I, Howard I the just Duck. have the 4K Blu-ray. I knew. Of course. Uh, yeah. Do, of course. I love the first 10 minutes of that movie. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Then we have kind of a tribute screening of Get Carter because the director just passed away. Codges. Uh, yeah. That's a fantastic oh, movie. Oh, Get Carter. Yeah, good movie. Get Carter. Oof. I love Michael Caine and especially young kick-ass Michael Caine where you're like, Michael Caine doesn't seem like the imposing type, especially back then. He's, he's a, a young yeah. British gentleman. He's more terrifying than most action stars today. Yeah, more right imposing. Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love old Michael Caine. I love young Michael Caine. Yeah. <laughs> How do we feel about the Stallone remake, though? Well, it's considered in the UK. What's the UK Empire magazine? Or okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul, and it's considered the worst remake oh. ever. Come on. That's... How many remakes did they watch? Like five? Like, come on. I hate the ending of the remake. Okay. But I loved it when it came out. I hate the ending. But there's one scene in the movie that I think is a masterpiece. There's a scene where he's Stallone is choking out a guy in a balcony. Yeah. And he like he's holding him close to the edge, like he's gonna he's thr- he needs information, but he's gonna throw him off the balcony. And then during the tense argument, beep, this beep starts going off. Like a car alarm. Beep, slowly beep. And it's during the scene, and then you cut to the lobby and Stallone's walking out and the beep doesn't stop. It's kind of like the phone in Once Upon a Time in America, the Sergio mm-hmm. Leone film. The beep doesn't stop and as he walks out the lobby, there's a car and the guy's body's nice. in the car and I'm like, that's Yeah, (laughs) there's a little bit of sound editing choices there. I just thought that was gorgeous. Mickey Rourke's really good in it. Yeah, yeah. But the ending's foolish. Considering (laughs) how good the ending for Kit Carter Carter. is. Love Kit Carter. Yeah, yeah. I want Kit Carter to do really well, and then we could show Italian Job. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. How do we feel about the remake of the Italian Job? (laughs) Edward Norton with a mustache. Fine, I think. Yeah, not great. Focus. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And then finally, this week we have. Our 154th screening of The Room. Oh, boy. You may notice we kind of retconned it. And this idea came about just because COVID just put a big stop to our our streak. But nonetheless, it's still (laughs) impressive that we keep screening this thing. Yeah. So... My inspiration was kind of with comic books because Amazing Spider-Man is at issue 900 and something. But over the years, every once in a while, they'll be number one and then it'll run 100 issues. Number one. And then they'll decide to be like retcon it. So now what they do, which I really like, is they say, we're at issue number 37, Legacy 904. So we still have our legacy going, but I think saying 154th screening, we can keep going with that and continue along on our... I tried to get Guinness Book Records, but they didn't care. (laughs) What's the legacy number then? Our legacy number is 154. Okay. But then our consecutive months was uh, like 131. Okay. But this takes into account the times we showed it a bunch of times because Mm. Tommy was here or Greg was here. That's fair. And it kind of crept up on us. This is its 20th anniversary this year. 
So I Maybe. guess I guess we got to do something special That's, eventually. Nah, you know. Yeah, we'll just show it once a month. That's fine. We skipped over the 150th because we didn't know about the yeah. number thing. So yeah. that's good. We don't have to try that hard. Cars are considered antiques when they're 20 years old. Damn. And if you apply that to movies, then the room is now a classic. There you go. Regardless Done. of a car's shit or not, it's yeah. considered an antique. Regardless of a movie is good or not, it's considered a classic. Yeah. Well, it's like it's, it's done well for us financially. So in that sense, I guess it's a, a classic. classic. I don't know. It feels hard to say. I would say, say the same thing about Josh. Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's made a lot of money for us. <laughs> he's not the best, but he's not well for us financially. Yeah, he is a classic. He's a classic. Exactly. What a guy. Guess what Gwen said at our wedding. Yeah, this is so weird. During the week, I confirmed this, I haven't told you yet. You can oh. promote it now. It's Cliffhanger. Confirmed. During the week of Enter the Drag Dragon, the night's Enter the Drag Dragon, it's not playing, we're playing Skimmerings. Oh, so, boy. And, a lot of buzz. I have been told you really should see that in the theater because the sound design is oh, crazy. Oh, for sure. I'm scared to watch it. It looks really scary. Yeah, like, yeah. I think it could go either way. Like, it's either... Because it's one of those things where it's, oh, the scariest movie of the blah, 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 you know? Yeah. So you're going to have half the people who are like, oh, it wasn't scary, and half the people who are like, need to be carted out of here on a gurney. I think I saw the remake of Gut Cutter twice in the theater. That sounds Why? right. What? Because I love that scene so much, I had to go see it again. I wanted to see it anticipating the noise, the, the way the sound effect was used. Oh, my God. And yeah. Rachel Lee Cook was bringing it that year, so you had to see her. And, and... Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, right? That's a movie I watched She, she twice had a role the and then disappeared. Love that movie. Okay, so let's wrap things up before we get into epic Mark Maron length podcast <laughs> well, here. Well, we had a guest, though. It's different. That's true. That's true. Uh, oh, oh, you! Yeah. Celebrity director, Leonardo. But I hate being here. Yeah, true. <laughs> like we, you, I really. Hate we know well, that now. <laughs> well, two thirds of us thank you for listening. <laughs> and uh, please buy tickets I, to Lee's movie. Prefix. I never mean what I say. No. Never, no. I had to stop someone in the walk of my dog the other day. I never mean what I say. I was trying to be funny. <laughs> you can check MayfairTheater.ca and all the social medias to get information on these and upcoming films and. Enter the Drag Dragon will be starting January 27th and come out for the big giant world premiere. It'll be super fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an after party at the Clock Tower after. Yeah. Oh, exciting. Really fun, yeah. Come to that. Everybody go to both those things. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time at the Mayfair Theater Podcast. Bye. Uh, thanks for having me. When do we start the next movie? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Dick Toes? Yeah, yeah. Everyone wants to make a Dick Toes movie. I'm in. I kind of have a good yarn for it, I think. I think it's like a film noir. Yeah, starring kids. <laughs> to make a drag odyssey, you need 12 things. Drag queens, drag kings. I'm not a dude, buttercup. Zombies. Mummies. Androids. Flashers. Streakers. Bare-breasted vixens. Poisonous boobies. Boobies. Why did it have to be boobies? A laser hoop. Explosions. A basket full of digs. And so much more we can't fit in this trailer. So who are you three supposed to be? We're the crazy dragon detective agency. Our heroes kick ass on land, sea, and air. Sam Kellerman, Jade London, and Matt Meemaw. All star as Crunch in the world's first ever drag exploitation action film. Also starring Beatrice Barris, Phil Caracas, Mark McDonald, Natalia Moreno, Josh Grace, Judith DeBurr. And featuring special appearances by Lloyd Kaufman, Johnny Vegas, and Greg Sestero. Knuckle up, bitch. Enter the Drag Dragons. Run! A drag boo action comedy horror musical you don't want to miss. Really? I am a detective. You're the best detective to ever live. What's going on? That's a case we got to solve. It'll be fun. Fun. Totally. Get off your asses. 
bring it. If anyone tries to take this treasure from me, they must be destroyed. Had enough, you betchers. Cool. I'm dead. If you want to see Enter the Drag Dragon, ask your mama.